Hello everyone and welcome along to a special episode of the Irish NFL show. Colm Cronin here and I will be discussing my beloved Broncos and uh, their, their ills perhaps uh, with uh, what a wonderful guest, a man I have known for quite a few years at, at this point and had the opportunity to, to speak to him in the past but delighted to welcome him. It's his first time on the Irish NFL show. Uh, he is a sports talk show host from the States, formerly ESPN, formerly USA Today. Sean Droher, how are you doing, sir? I'm good. Thanks for having me out there. I really do appreciate it. And uh, they're my beloved Broncos, too. I was born and raised uh, in Colorado. So this is a team that, while I do follow it professionally, uh, they are near and dear to my heart. When I run into people saying that, uh, how can you do that if you're a fan of a team? One, I'll give people behind the curtain. Nobody who works in sports is not a fan of a team. Of course, they grew up a sports fan somewhere. That's why they're doing it. A second look, if if lawyers or barristers can defend uh, serial killers in court, I can certainly talk about the Broncos fairly, even though I cover them. Yeah, well, I think even, uh, you know, they could dedicate season three of Mindhunter to some of the decisions the Broncos have made over the past few seasons. Uh, and I don't know if they'd get to the bottom of it, but... You mentioned you're a Denver native, but you're a man who has some Irish heritage. And, uh, you know, I know that listeners to this podcast might not be aware of that, but you you have strong ties to a particular county on this little green island. I, I do, even though the last name is is Slavic, which is my, you know, my father's father's name, but, but the rest of my uh, heritage is all Irish and mostly from uh, County Roscommon uh, out there, obviously. And my grandmother was actually born on the boat between uh, Ireland and the United States as they were going to Ellis Island many years ago. So yeah, Ireland is uh, near and dear to my heart. I've been lucky enough to travel there and drive around a, an awful lot of the country. And quite frankly, I can't wait till next time or one of these days, I'm just going to see if I can pack up and move there, which is solve the problem. Yeah, well, you're wel- welcome over any time. be fun to, to share pints with you. And um, inevitably, when one uh, you know sits down with friends to discuss things over pints, uh, very often uh, you know you you, get, you dig into topics, and that's what we're going to do here. And look, the Broncos are yet again searching for another head coach, Sean, and um, lots of different names this time around. But maybe you know if we go back a little bit, and obviously things haven't worked out now with Nathaniel Hackett, with Vic Fangio, and with Vance Joseph. How did the Broncos get it so wrong on each of those appointments? You know, that really is a great question because it spans multiple people making the hiring decisions. I mean, John Elway decided on Vance Joseph, decided on Vic Fangio, George Payton decided on Nathaniel Hackett, so that the organization, in a lot of ways, had a lot of transition despite those kind of mistakes at least what we can tell, is all those mistakes were more or less the same one. You had an inexperienced first-time head coach that seemed to be a little bit, as we say out Colorado, over your skis when it came to handling what needed to be handled. And in Nathaniel Hackett's case especially, I think it was obvious. When Jerry Rossberg came in for the last two weeks of the season, and let's not overstate it, the Broncos were playing teams that were either playing out the string or, in the case of the, the Chargers in the finale, you know, bench their starters later in, in the game. But the Broncos looked better. They looked their offense looked better. They played better. The whole team had a better vibe around it out at its Dove Valley headquarters. 
And that, I think, has to do with Rosberg, uh, a guy that they brought in mid-season, mind you, to help hack it with late-game decisions. But they, Rosberg kind of provided the adult in the room, the guy understood how things work, had expectations. I cannot imagine, even though there are a lot of talented young minds out there in the NFL that could be head coaches, I cannot imagine that the Broncos this time do not go after a veteran coach. You've already heard about the idea they may pursue Sean Payton. We get into that in a bit. I don't think that's possible. And, of course, uh, the big name that is making all the most noise, Michigan head coach Jim Harbaugh, who seems to be at least amenable to return to the NFL if the uh, money is right. Yeah, and, I mean, you're, you're right. Like, the obviously, all, all three of those were first-time, uh, you know, head coaches. But you look around the, the league and, you know, the first-time head coaches have considerable success. I mean, you know, even first-year head coaches, as we're seeing this year, uh, you look at Kevin O'Connell, you look at Brian Dable, and I, I just, I, I think it's interesting. Yeah, and with Miami, don't forget about, and he's, he's a veteran coach, but it's his first year in a new team, and, and Doug Peterson. Doug Peterson. Nick Sirianni, obviously, last year was his first year. I mean, Kevin Stefanski, uh, it's it's Sean McDermott's first head coaching gig. I mean, there, there are lots of um, lots of examples. And I, I, I think what was interesting there was pointed out was there are a number of different people involved in the process. And I hope for that reason that, and maybe the change of ownership will do it, but I would hope that it would lead the Broncos to really look at... Yeah, I, I think the only... Yeah, how how they made how they made the decisions and why they made the decisions and maybe Sean, then that leads us on to you know for you and and yeah I I I think it's likely to be um, an, an experienced but who who do you who do you think the Broncos are leaning towards and if it, if you were in the position who might you would would you be leaning in the same way or would you have a different opinion. I, I do think that obviously that the new the new ownership, which is not bound by a salary cap for coaches, they're obviously going to make uh, a, a lot of observations on the entire organization, top to bottom. You don't spend four point six five billion dollars and just let it be the way it is, especially when they've had the kind of season that they've had. It was interesting that Greg Penner, the uh, basically the de facto he, well, one of the ownerships group, but Greg Penner is going to be the guy that basically is running the day to day for the Broncos. Greg Penner said he was going to lead this coaching search, not. George Payton, I think that's telling. So now you're talking about the owner themselves getting into this. I think there is a lot of, of, of fire behind the smoke with Jim Harbaugh. I think Jim Harbaugh makes a lot of sense for the Broncos. I think the Broncos will have to pay him an extraordinary amount of money, maybe up to $20 million a year, but they have the wherewithal to do it. Harbaugh does, to me, make the most sense. There are pros and cons that come with them. Obviously, you're talking about a guy that, as a coach, has won everywhere he's went, and he's won quickly. He's been able to turn programs around. He's been able to turn NFL organizations around. He's been able to work, win quickly. He's definitely a proven winner. He's also very good with quarterbacks, as we know. If you think back to his last uh, run with the San Francisco 49ers, when he got Alex Smith, it was easy you know, to forget that Alex Smith was basically considered a bust and became almost a Super Bowl caliber quarterback for the Niners if he hadn't gotten hurt. They changed midseason, of course, to Colin Kaepernick, a completely different style of quarterback still took that team to the Super Bowl and arguably could have won that game. So we know that Harbaugh can handle quarterbacks. We know that Harbaugh, an ex-quarterback himself, knows how to coach those guys and knows how to adjust and adapt based on the skill set. So if you look at Russell Wilson and what Russell Wilson needs after this bad season 
they're going to have to try to make something that works for him. First and foremost, the Broncos will have to get a better offensive line, and that doesn't have anything to do with Harbaugh. But Penner indicated that the head coach is also going to run the football operation almost entirely. It sounds like George Payton is maybe going to be dealing with uh, draft issues and uh, contract issues, less of the uh, ways we usually think of a GM. And maybe we're going back to the days of Mike Shanahan, where Mike Shanahan ran the show, even though he had Brian Zanders there as GM or, or John Beak, guys that didn't get a lot of credit. They were the GMs doing the jobs, but Shanahan run the show. Sounds like Greg Penner wants that for the Broncos. So you're going to need someone with institutional experience. And that, again, leads you to Harbaugh. So there's a lot to like there. For Russell Wilson, he needs a little bit of tough love, it feels like, a guy that's going to stay on it, and but a guy that understands the challenges of quarterbacking and how to, how to adjust and adapt in the NFL level. Harbaugh's a great fit for that. Here's the cons for Harbaugh. One, $20 million a year. But Colin, that's not your money, and it's not my money, so yeah, <laughs> that's up to the Broncos. But Harbaugh runs hot. There is a reason that Jim Harbaugh, after five years or three years in a place, it starts to break people down. People get frustrated. Harbaugh gets frustrated. He just runs hot. He's, his motor's always going. He has very high expectations. And he's a guy that has a little bit of a wanderlust. So the con there is that if you do hire Jim Harbaugh, like he's not going to be the coach well into the 2030s for the Denver Broncos. You know that. That's not going to be the kind of guy you're getting. You're going to get him for five years or so, and he's going to want to move on again. But that's not a bad problem for the Denver Broncos because it overlaps more or less with Russell Wilson's contract, right? And so for the Broncos now, all of the focus needs to be on maximizing Russell Wilson as, for as long as his contract is, as he ages, try to find that. So if Harbaugh is the guy to do it, if they believe he's the guy to do it, uh, who cares if he's only here for five years? You want to maximize those years with Wilson and whatever it costs to get him, get it, which is why I think in the end, I know we're very early in this process and there are uh, good coaches that are being interviewed, of course, you know, Ejiro Evero, the defense coordinator, is going to get a look. Uh, he's talking to Houston as well. Uh, Raheem Morris is going to get a look. I like Raheem Morris a lot. Jim Caldwell, I, a very underrated coach in the NFL. You can ask Peyton Manning how good Jim Caldwell is. The options will be there. But in the end, I think they want Harbaugh. And Harbaugh is an interesting guy because Jim Harbaugh wants to be wanted. He wants to be courted. Uh, he's that kind of guy. So the Broncos have to kind of get up to, to his level, work their way up there and say, hey, we want you. We want you to take over our team. Here's the money. I think all the pieces and parts are in place for that to happen. And I would say at this point, when it all comes down to the end, I would be surprised if Jim Harbaugh wasn't the head coach of the Denver Broncos. Yeah, I, I think you're spot on. I think your analysis is, um, you know, even from 5,000 miles away, it makes a lot of sense what, what you're saying. I, I think... If if the Broncos hadn't been burned so badly by those three first time head coaches, and if billionaires didn't were you know didn't need to make a splash because I, I think they do, given what happened last season, I think Demeco uh, Ryan's out of the the Forty ers is going to be a spectacular head coach. But I think for the Broncos, they're just not going to go in that direction because of, of recent history. And I think that, yeah, they're looking, they're going to put their money on, um, you know, somebody like Harbaugh, it, you know, Peyton is there, but I, I, I do think, yeah, probably what it would cost in picks, whereas you bring Harbaugh in, you only get cash. And I mean, that essentially, what, it's 20 million a year? I mean, ultimately, Sean, that to you and me is a, a large latte from Starbucks, you know? Yeah, when you have that much money, and you're right. When you talk about Sean Payton, the draft capital, 
that it's going to cost is just going to be prohibitive. They've already made trades. It's not going to be a fit. And I'm not really sure Sean Payton is a, is a good fit for this team. I think there are some other teams where he may be a better fit in the first place. So I don't consider Payton a real candidate. You brought up D'Amico Ryans. He is going to get an interview. But I agree with you. No matter how spectacular an interview he is, no matter how uh, well he turns out as a pro, I can't envision the Broncos going with four consecutive first-time head coaches, especially after none of the three that they had had worked out. They're going to go after a veteran. And quite frankly, at this point, knowing, see how quickly it turned around under Rossberg, you'd have to think if a veteran coach is in there, it's going to help a lot. So yeah, I, I can't imagine they're not going to go with a veteran head coach. I think Harbaugh's their guy if they can get it done. And I think that makes a lot of sense. And you're right. The thing that gets it done is just cash. That's something the ownership has a lot of, and there's no limit on what you pay your coach. So I think that can get done. But I think the important thing for Broncos fans to understand is that it's very easy. You know, you go all over the internet, you see the same thing, right? There's one simple trick to fixing whatever. The, around here in Colorado, the talk for the last few weeks is, oh, Nathaniel Hackett was the problem. That's too simple an answer. When you say Nathaniel Hackett was the problem, that's way too simple an answer. And the Broncos will have to look into a lot of things. It's more complicated than that. Uh, again, they've led the league in ACL injuries for the second straight year. They've been near the top of guys on injured reserve. They need to look at their training staff, see why that's happening, see what they can change to make sure their players are in better condition or in better shape, or at least running the right kind of situations where they don't find themselves as liable to get injured. It's, it's unpredictable to an extent. When you're always near the top of the league in injuries, then you have to probably start looking at that bigger data and go, why are we in this situation? So that has to be looked at. Obviously, you're going to have to look at a lot of the assistant coaches and see if the right one uh, if the right ones are there or which ones they want to bring in, it is worth noting that Idro Evero and Jim Harbaugh have worked together. Evero has been on Harbaugh's staff, so assuming he's not a head coach somewhere, I suspect he would be retained. That makes sense. But there's also just roster issues here. Even when this offensive line was healthy, it was subpar. And when you look at the players on it right now, who would you really look at it, Colin? I, I ask your opinion on this. Let's look at the projected starters if they were healthy. Garrett Bowles, Dalton Reisner, Lloyd Cushenberry, Quinn Miners, and Billy Turner. Let's say throw Calvin Anderson in there, although he's more of a left tackle or a right tackle. So are any of those guys, to you, top dozen linemen at their position in the league? No, I, but I, I think one thing that the maybe in terms of digging in deeper I think what the Broncos actually need to get in terms of alignment, I absolutely agree it needs big changes. I actually think we need um, to get an O-line that would allow us to run the ball more effectively because everyone has put a, a huge number of the sacks that Russ has taken on the O-line. And yeah, the O-line hasn't been good, but Russ like has taken sacks throughout his career. It is It is how he plays the game. And it is good, no matter who you put in there, uh, I, I really think it it would be an issue. So to me, ways in which you lean into improving Russ is you approve the run game. That way you, you're asking Russ, especially the short um, and kind of in um, uh, those, yeah, those situations, you're, you're able to run the ball. You're not, all, it's not always Russ because. What, what we saw, what for us, you saw it the other day, that moon ball to Jerry Judy was phenomenal. But without, and that came about because Murray was able to actually run the ball. Now that came against the Chargers team who literally we've run on over, even in our darkest days last year, 
we ran all over the Chargers. But I, I agree. To me, the entirety of that O-line has to change and the coaching of the O-line has to, to change uh, as well. And I, I'm wondering, Sean, maybe that kind of leads in a little bit. Like the the Broncos brought, brought in Hackett. They allowed Hackett to bring in his staff. There were decisions made in, in terms of like Russell Wilson, the contract extension and others. George Payton was involved in a lot of those decisions. You you talked earlier about the way in which he has kind of been somewhat sidelined. And I, I think that's maybe been coming a while. I think that was even noticeable in London. Um, George Payton talked to Denver media, but he was vociferous in his support of Nathaniel Hackett. Greg Penner spoke later that same night and he undermined a lot of what George Payton said in terms of the support. He said, no, we expect to be better. We demand to be better. That was interesting that happened then. Kind of ignored at the time. Now what we're seeing, um, it, it is different. Could this be a situation like the Buffalo Bills found themselves in in 2017 where Doug Whaley is GM, they appoint Sean McDermott, Whaley does the draft and then they move on. Or is George Payton likely safe and around for the next couple of years, do you think? At the moment, I think he's safe. But what you're talking about, I think, is correct. What he, he's, he's safe, but I think his role is going to be somewhat minimized. I, I don't think he's going to be responsible for hiring the coach. Penner made that clear. But what he has done well, he's been an excellent talent evaluator. His drafts have been good. They've been deep. They've found a lot of players. Uh, I think the drafts have, uh, for the most part, been outstanding. So talent evaluation is good. Uh, the draft is an important part. He's clearly good at that. Uh, he was, he's able to you know, say what you will about the Russell Wilson trade. I think at the time, uh, the cost was not unreasonable. And uh, he made that deal. And that's tough. It's not tough to make deals for superstar quarterbacks. So when it comes to the behind-the-scenes stuff, you know, making the trades, getting the contracts done, uh, talent evaluation for the draft, and, and talent evaluation, quite frankly, during the season. Remember, they added Latavius Murray, they added Marlon Mack, they added those guys during during the season and brought them in. Latavius Murray was very effective. So I think there's a lot to like about what George Payton does when you're talking about the talent evaluation, working with other GMs, and, and going and getting contracts done. The Broncos are actually in a pretty good position and the salary cap despite Russell Wilson's big number. So I think there's a lot to like about what Payton has done, but being a head coach did not go well. And uh, I think they're just going to, bump that down a little bit. And I don't think that's the worst thing. Now, are there problems in the draft that come up or some issues with free agency? Then maybe next year there could be a concern for Peyton. But as for now, I think the things that he does well, they're trying to focus on putting him in a position to do what he does well and minimizing the amount of time he is spending doing what he doesn't do well, which obviously is something he's inexperienced at too. And that is finding head coaches and letting them fill out their staff because that staff under Hackett, by the way, was also very comparatively inexperienced. That's going to change coming along. So I, I think Peyton is safe with a reduced role. He's still the GM, but he's not running the football operation anymore. You now have an owner that is more interested in being involved day to day. And he made it clear that whoever they hire as coach is really going to be the person who's that face of that program. So that part for the Broncos is going to be a bit of a change, but I also think it's probably a change that they need to do. There's a couple ways to think about this call. There's there's short-term and long-term, right? Now, it depends on what do you call long-term in the NFL? I mean, is five years long-term? I think you could make the argument it really is, given the, the career length of players in the NFL. So 
I guess I look at it, and the Broncos understand right now. They, they traded for Russell Wilson. They signed for Russell Wilson. Uh, they're with Russell Wilson. The contract situation and the dead money means for at least this year and, and probably next, he's definitely going to be on the Broncos. So your window is right now with Russell Wilson. So the long term is the next three to five years. That's also obviously a bit of the short term. So there's an overlap here. So everything has to happen very, very quickly when it comes to talent acquisition, when it comes to make, making sure you do well enough for the draft and, and getting a coach that can maximize what Wilson can do. So that makes this offseason interesting. But certainly the owners are willing to spend. They spent $400,000 to get a new field fixed up for just the final game of the season, which we know was just playing out the string. That actually went really well with the players. Brandon McManus, who is the, the player rep for the unions, actually took the time to point out how great that was, how much the players appreciated a new surface, a safer surface. Uh, that, that meant a lot to them that the team was willing to put that kind of money in. That's a good sign, and that's a good signal to players, to fans, and to agents around the league who also represent other players and saying, look, we're the Broncos are back, we're serious, we'll spend, we'll do what we need to do to get this team back and back quickly. Yeah, I, I think that that's uh, very true. I suppose, Sean, I'm, I'm interested because the the final game of the season and the win has kind of... The, there's there's a significant bump in in optimism in in Broncos country and, and look optimism is good and you want fans to be optimistic but I go back a couple of years right the the end of the uh, 2019 season right and uh, Vic Fangio's first year doesn't get off to a, a great I had my issues with Vic from the off but it doesn't get off to a good start but then Drew Lock comes in. And the Broncos end up winning four of the last five. But really, really, you know, much like, you know, a little bit like this, teams who had little to play for were were in the playoffs or had already been eliminated. There's a huge amount of optimism. There's all of these weapons. There's a young QB. And then they fell flat on their face. I've kind of seen that, you know, even the, the, the years previously. Is there... Is there a danger that the Broncos and Broncos country and everything gets overhyped? Could they do with just a little bit of pragmatism, a little bit of, we don't need to anoint anyone. Let's leave it play out a little bit before, you know, anointed. I mean, it seemed like George Payton was anointed as this genius GM before kind of any moves had been made. And I, I suppose that's my concern. Am I right to be concerned or should I just get on the hype train? No, you're 100% right. Uh, 100% right. Whatever they say, it's the hope that kills you. In this case, it doesn't mean you have to be negative, but we we saw this. This is um, a disparity, probably in the Broncos' season how it turned out and the expectation of what it was going to be. There's probably never been a, a larger disparity of what fans thought they were going to get as, comp as compared to what they did get. And that's frustrating. And I think there are reasons for optimism. I think there are a lot of reasons for optimism. But at the same time, I, I was out here in Denver telling people as best as I could. Now, I thought the Broncos' best case scenario this year was nine or 10 wins and be in the wild card hunt uh, in December. I thought that, was, that I didn't think it was, you know, so ESPN all over America, they have Russell Wilson, Broncos are instant Super Bowl contenders. No, that, that was actually always a bit silly. And I was surprised that a lot of people in town bought into it. But I do think with the right moves, that could be next year's goal, that you can get uh, nine, 10 wins and get yourself into the playoffs. It's tricky. Uh, you now have not only the, the Chiefs who run the AFC West and the AFC, and by the time 
uh, they're done. Maybe the NFL again. But the Chargers obviously uh, have a brilliant quarterback in Justin Herbert. You could argue that the AFC West, uh, without even counting Russell Wilson, might have two of the four best quarterbacks in the league. So those are things to, that the Broncos have to consider. You're going to have to hop over somebody. Uh, the Raiders are in disarray. Right now, I don't think they're terribly concerned about them. Although, watch out for the slight possibility that Tom Brady ends up there next year. That's not an impossibility. But the uh, I think for the Broncos, you have to look at the division you're in. You have to look at the improvements that you have to make. And I think the point he made really good, it was really good. Russell Wilson play action passers, especially on Russell Wilson uh, is effective on those. And yeah, I think if you can have a power running game, that's a quarterback's best friend. So how do you assemble that quickly? Finding offensive linemen is hard. Good ones do not go in free agency. If, if you want, just ask the Broncos about the Perry Turner or Jared Veldy or, or Menelik Watson or Juwan James. Uh, I'm sure I'm forgetting a few in between. Uh, you don't get top-tier offensive linemen in free agency because if they're top-tier offensive linemen, they never get to free agency. Their teams sign them. So you're going to have to draft and develop. And it, I, I joked around here, although it's it's not much of a joke, that if the Broncos took every single one of their draft picks in this draft and picked offensive linemen, I would be great with that because hopefully you'd find a couple that would stick because this team's had a tough time doing it. And uh, the best way to protect Wilson, I think you're right, it is a power running game that allows them to force people into line and then allow Wilson to bounce out. That's where he's best, and he's still a great deep ball thrower. So uh, finding that in the offseason is important. If they do, then it's time to get excited because we know the receiving ability is there. All the questions, I think, maybe not all the questions, most of the questions about Jerry Judy, I think, have been answered. He hasn't been used right. Now he has to report Wilson, and he looks like a very dangerous receiver. And he's got to get healthier. Or Greg Dulcich appears to be a weapon at tight end. They, they seem to have found one there. We know they have a receiving target. If Javante Williams gets healthy, you have an outstanding runner. From the Broncos, I bring Latavius Murray back. I thought he did a brilliant job for them. I go, like, keep him. Then you have a veteran guy. But the defense, despite having all pieces of parts fall off at times, so many injuries over the course of the year, under Evero was still consistently effective with the notable exception of the Rams game. But obviously, uh, over the course of the season, when this team, this defense is you know, trying to hold everybody to under 10 points so their team can score, uh, there was bound to be a breakdown. I think that was just a one-off. This was a really good defense all year. And it did it with guys like Jonathan Cooper playing. Not, not Bradley Chubb, who was dealt, but uh, Randy, Randy Gregory didn't work out. You, you have uh, Jonathan Cooper, a seventh-round pick out there doing a terrific job. You have a lot of guys, a lot of depth guys playing well. So uh, the defense, I think, is there. I think with a little more health, it's there. You can always improve it a bit, but I like the pieces of parts. The offensive line gets better, yeah. Then they can make the leap to being playoff teams. But it's going to take that line, and it's going to take the ability, and I think you're right. Everyone looks about how, how can Russell Wilson lead them out of it. The, the best way to win games with Russell Wilson, and the stats bear it out, is not to have him throw the ball 40 times a game. You'd like to have him throw the ball about 27, 28 times a game. That's really all you need. And to do that, you need to have an effective running game. So I, I think that uh, from your from your healthy distance, seeing from afar what you're seeing is is exactly right. It's very clear the Broncos need a better line and a power running game because how else, by the way, in the AFC West, when you have the explosive offenses that the Chiefs and the Chargers have, what's the best way to beat it? Do you want to fight fire with fire? No. Pound the ball. Control the clock. Slow it down. Make those other teams uncomfortable. Don't give them the time to do what they want to do. And granted, Mahomes doesn't need much time to beat you. You couldn't ask the Bills from that last year. But regardless, 
you're not going to get into a, a, a match like that, into a shootout with, with the Chiefs and the Chargers. So the best way to do it is combat it with that power running game. They have the running backs to do. Now, if you just get the linemen to do it, you really could make a change. But you don't necessarily keep up with the Joneses by doing exactly what they're doing. You need to do something a little different. And I think that you have hit it spot on. I think that's where the Broncos should focus, O-line and running game, because that's going to open up everything else they want to do. Yeah, it will be very interesting. I mean, to me, I suppose I look at what the Eagles have managed to to do and the fact that, you know, the Eagles took their medicine, whereas maybe the Broncos have been willing up to this point to take their medicine. The, the Eagles made bold decisions. They moved off of Dougie P. They moved off of Carson Wentz. But they uh, uh, to, to what they fundamentally do, the Eagles play well in the trenches. Yeah, I mean, they are fundamentally sound when fit and if if lane johnson comes back to me it's going to be very difficult for anybody to go into philadelphia and and win but that's because of their own line like i i think they have done the right thing in terms of developing jalen hurts but it's been their own line and the the brains and that's one thing i hope the broncos do is leadership and smarts and in Lane Johnson, in Jason Kelsey, my goodness, do they have guys. When you think for the Broncos in terms of, because everyone talks about Peyton Manning and the Super Bowl 50 and, oh, he, you know, he wasn't the same. But his leadership, I go back, that clip of the O-line guys where they're chanting, you know, his his name as they're driving down for the, the touchdown. You think of DeMarcus Ware and, and the fact how, how big he was for, for Vaughn. And you hear the stories about like the, the talk he gave to the team the night before Super Bowl 50 and how he got them up for it. You think of Tlaib, where, where is the leadership shown on, on this team? Because to me, that has been a huge issue for this team ever since Super Bowl 50 is a lack of leadership amongst the players. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a good observation. And, and that's, that's hard to get that consistency when you're switching quarterbacks all the time too. And, and uh, everyone's worried about catching up to the new coach that they're learning. I think that is coming around. And you, you make a really good point. I, I talked to you know, a lot of those players the following Super Bowl 50. And, I, you know, Peyton's arm was, a, a, for at least Peyton Manning's status, a, a wet spaghetti noodle. But I had guys tell me specifically, they don't win that game without it. Now, the defense was phenomenal. But what Peyton did was understand, now we have a lead. And now I can audible us into the right plays that I think will work. And, and that was that leadership and that smarts and understanding his limitations. Following, the, at, really since Monday, a lot of players have actually kind of spoken up and, and argued that Russell Wilson is a good leader. Now, Wilson could stand to maybe reduce the distance between himself and a lot of the teammates. It's the nature of being the highest paid player of the team, far and away the most accomplished pay, uh, player on the team. He has his own office. There, there are things that separate him. Uh, Wilson could do a little better to ingratiate himself uh, with the club, but guys didn't talk about him being a bad leader or anything like that. But you do have a couple of good leaders. Justin Simmons is a terrific leader. Now, he's not the Ray Lewis get in your face and scream at you, but he's a very good leader. Uh, you have a guy in Josie Jewell who really came on this year. I think this year he really blossomed. Uh, this is a guy that was a three-time captain at Iowa. Iowa's college football program is legendary. Jewell is the only person to ever be named captain three times, ever, in its 100-plus year history. So, so Jules, that kind of guy, play middle linebacker that, that does fires, got fires guy up, and, and he makes sure that they're in the right spots. So that's a good spot thing as well. So there are some some leaders on this team. It, they can use more for sure. You're right. 
But the first thing they need to do to develop leadership is you have to develop continuity. So once this roster turnover stops and churning so much, now guys get to know each other. One of the challenges, there was this idea around town that guys don't like Russell Wilson. It's not that they didn't like Russell Wilson. It's that a lot of them didn't get to know Russell Wilson because there wasn't a lot of time in the offseason. During the season, you're really busy working. Uh, Wilson is in a different spot. He has multiple kids. You know, he's got a, he's got a famous wife. He's doing he's opening a store in a mall out near uh, in, you know, out near South Denver. Uh, he's doing a lot of things that other people aren't doing. So he's he's busy in another world and he's in another life situation. So that took a little while to, to connect. And some of that just means these guys have to be around each other long enough for it really to start to make sense. And when that happens, you'll start being able to see a little bit more. But I do think some of this comes from coaching. If coaching puts these expectations on players and holds them to those expectations, I think leaders begin to emerge because once everyone knows the system that they're working in, the way that the team functions from top down, then the guys who have the personality for that, they can kind of bubble up to the surface. So it's not as quite as simple in my experience as saying, you need to have find players who are great leaders. You do, but great leaders also develop over time if they're in a system that allows them to blossom. So I think the Broncos need to cultivate both simultaneously. And I think that's why this head coaching hire is so important. Yeah, no, that's a very good point. And I suppose in terms of coaching, one thing that stood out to me, um, we were fortunate uh, to speak to Brendan Daly from the the Chiefs, a guy who had incredible success with Patriots, that goes to the Chiefs, enjoys continued success. And one of the things that Brendan Daly said specifically was work-life balance and how important it is um, for Andy Reid that his coaching staff get time with their kids get time to to be outside the facility. And then I hear this year about the Broncos and sleeping at the facility. And I thought, oh dear, if you're sleeping at the facility and we're still that bad, that's that's not a good sign. And you don't hear about, you know, um, Kyle, Kyle Shanahan sleeping at the, at the facility. You don't hear about Sean McDermott. It's, they, they, you know, work work smarter, not harder. And I think that's hopefully something that we we will see and, and we'll need to. I mean, you have pointed to the AFC West rivalries, but the, beyond that, you've got Josh Allen in the, in the division. Uh, currently, depending on what happens, Lamar Jackson is still only 25 years of age and you've got Joe Burrow. And I, I love Joe Burrow's comment the other day when he was asked about, does the, do the Bengals have a window? And he said, the window's my entire career. Well, <laughs> Joe Burrow, you know, and Joe, I, 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 I divert a little bit, but yeah, I, I am, I'll admit it, I'm a huge Joe Burrow fan because that there is, there is swagger and there is arrogance and Burrow walks the line, but he reminds me, and I, I you know, I, I'm going to probably get slaughtered one day when I make this comparison because it's probably not fair. But, but the last quarterback that had that, that I had a chance to to at least watch, even though I was younger, that had that just, I'm better than everyone else out here, so we'll be fine, um, and did it, you know, without really crossing over into being an arrogant jerk, was Joe Montana. And and uh, to my mind, Joe Burrow kind of has that Montana vibe in the, hey, I, you know, I'm here, relax, we'll get this, it's fine. He's got that kind of vibe. I like that a lot too, but you're right. The, the depth is, is is silly. And by the way, uh, welcome to the party, Trevor Lawrence. He's obviously coming along as well. You know, you don't know who the Raiders will add. Yeah, the AFC is loaded at the quarterback position. 
And that's not really going away anytime soon. A lot of these guys are are young. I mean, Russell Wilson is one of the old guard when it comes to quarterbacks in the AFC. Yeah, I, I, you are absolutely spot on about Burrow because nothing phases him. I mean, you think back to the, the playoff run last year and didn't matter how many times the Titans sacked him, he just got up. Didn't matter that they were losing at Arrowhead. And he he just, it, it it's incredible, that ability to remain calm in the face of it. Now, ultimately, yeah, they came up short, but on the last play, I mean, if he gets another half a second and he gets the ball off before Donald gets to him and he hits Chase, who, who knows? I mean, it it is it is those fine margins. We are hoping that obviously things will go uh, right for, for the Broncos. But um, Sean, maybe before I, I let you go, in terms of the, the, obviously we're into the playoffs now, the business end, Broncos not at the dance, but who... Do you think, you know, I don't, it doesn't have to be Super Bowl, but maybe in terms of the championship games, who do you think uh, ends up in those championship games? Boy, I, I like to think that uh, if, if Jalen Hurts is healthy, I do think that the two best teams are the Chiefs and the Eagles. I mean, obviously you're taking the chalk there. That's the top seed. But I, but I think they're the best teams. I think the Eagles have proven uh, over and over and over again they are legitimate. They have won close games. They have won blowouts. They have won games where they had to pass. They've won games where they had to run. They've had to win games with defense. They've done it all. So I, I really do love the Eagles. Uh, you talked about Andy Reid, who uh, somehow manages to make his team a juggernaut and not have to do the John Gruden sleep at the office, which is always, quite frankly, a bit of mythology uh, for the most part. But you're right. People treat it like, wow, look how dedicated it is. I argue the same thing. If you're sleeping in your office, it means you're not doing that good a job. So I agree with that. Um, it's really hard to topple the Chiefs. I think the Bills are capable of it. I think the Chiefs are more well-rounded. Uh, if I were to pick anybody that was not the Chiefs, quite frankly, I'd pick the Bengals to go back simply because I like the way Burrow plays. I think that they are uh, now battle-tested. They're certainly not afraid to play in the Chiefs. So yeah, I, my guess is it's Chiefs-Eagles. Uh, the dark horse would be San Francisco, which is a really good team. I don't know if I can count on Brock Purdy in the playoffs, but I do like the team on the whole. Um, but yeah, if, I'm, if I had to pick one for the Super Bowl, I will tell you it will be Chiefs versus Eagles, but keep an eye on the Niners and the Bengals potentially as well. Yeah, I know. I think you're, you're spot on. I think Lane Johnson and how healthy he is and it will will ha- have a, a big role to, to play be, be given the ferocity of that 49ers pass rush. But if he's in there, that, that Eagles line, they can hold up, I, I think. And yeah, on the other side, look, yeah, I think that the Chiefs are probably favorites, but I think when when it comes down to Mahomes, Allen, and, and Burrow, you've three exceptional QBs there. You've three, obviously, very talented head coaches. And just one other thing that sprung to mind in terms of Andy Reid and the way in which he reinvigorates, right? So, obviously, questions about Mahomes this year with Tyreek Hill moving off. But I mentioned Brendan Daly. Brendan Daly had incredible success as the D-line guy. Well, this offseason, Brendan Daly went to Andy Reid um, and said, Andy, I, I need a new challenge and I, I'd like to coach the, the linebackers. And Andy Reid worked with Brendan Daly and, well, the results kind of speak uh, for themselves. So, you know, when you have talented people and you want to keep them around, you find ways to give them new challenges. I think there are things um, that, that the Broncos can maybe learn a little bit from the Chiefs so that we can finally get back to to beating them. But 
Sean, it has been wonderful to chat to you. For our listeners who want to um, find more uh, about, follow you, find more of your stuff, where can they go about doing that? Uh, the easiest way to do it is just to follow the the Twitter account. That's Estrotar, S-D-R-O-T-A-R, because I'm all over the place. I'm doing uh, stuff on Altitude Television. I was on uh, the, the local Fox affiliate last night, uh, doing some kind of everywhere right now This at this point. So... Uh, the Twitter handle is the best place to do it, S-D-R-O-T-A-R. And we will make sure to uh, put that into the show notes so that people have the opportunity. I know you were on with Lindsay Rhodes recently as well. She was, she's been on uh, this show and she is fantastic to, to talk to. Um, I cannot recommend Sean highly enough, definitely. Um, it, and he is, while being a Broncos fan, he is certainly not a Broncos homer. So if you are listening to this, uh, it doesn't matter if you are a Chiefs, a Chargers, or a Raiders fan, you will still enjoy Sean's stuff. Sean, all that remains is for me to say thank you very much. I really appreciate you giving me your time today. Anytime, anytime. It was very nice to talk to that audience, by the way. Uh, it's, it's a treat. It really is.